Yes, that's the sound of a open for business new episode of Gamers Cafe. And I'm your host, Brett Deister. We've got a great episode for you guys. I'm going to be giving you my impressions of Wide Awake Coffee Co. Breakfast Blend. I'm also going to be talking about the Epic Store exclusivity problems that most gamers have with this exclusivity in PC gaming. I know there's a lot in consoles, but that's actually a little bit different than what's going on with the Epic Store. Also going to be talking about my impressions of Battlefront 2's Capital Supremacy. It's a new mode for Battlefront 2. I think it actually makes the game a lot better, but I'll give you my impressions of how the game mode is and if it's actually worth still diving back into or just going every once in a while going, oh, that was fun, and then leaving. I'm also going to be reviewing Division Two. Now I played most of the game. Actually, the funny part is that I thought I actually finished it, and then when I did, they kind of sprung a new thing on me. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not actually done yet. But I played most of the game, and I'm firmly going to be reviewing this, and it's gonna be a lot of epic looting going on with this review, or or not. I mean, you, you never really know. But let's get on with it with Wide Awake Coffee Co. Breakfast Blend. Now I tried the hazelnut, I tried the French vanilla. And they're all still really good. They're all great with the city. It's very low. You can drink it. There's not much problems with it. That's what I love about it. The only issue with the breakfast bun is that there's not going to be as much flavor for those that love flavor in their coffee. You might not like it as much, but you're still going to get that great hit of caffeine. Now, if you don't know, the best caffeine for coffee is light to medium roast. Dark roast don't actually give you that much caffeine. It actually gives you less caffeine. So if you want that hit from hot coffee, this is the best one. Now to get the most caffeine out of any cup of coffee, it's going to be your cold brew coffee. It has the most caffeine of any coffee out there. I usually call it the natural energy drink because it has the most caffeine and it won't give you those side effects of those darn energy drinks. You won't actually feel that huge crash. You'll just naturally taper off of the caffeine. So it feels a lot better at the end and you don't feel like you have to take a nap. That's the problem I always had with energy drinks is I always have to feel like I have to take a nap. Anyways, sidetracked back to my impressions of it and my impressions is still really good. I still think this is probably one of the best Keurig coffee cups or coffee Keurig cups that I've had in a while. I think part of the process is that they actually care about their roast and also the way that these Keurig cups are made. They have a netting instead of the plastic bottom, so I think it helps as well. It's always going to be better than Starbucks because Starbucks actually has a lot of burnt coffee, but that's my opinion about it. But if you're looking for new Keurig coffee, Wide Awake Coffee Co. is something that you should check out. They've got several different flavors, and they also have bags coffee as well. So check it out. Now, I usually drink, if you don't know, I usually drink my coffee black, with no cream or sugar whatsoever to get the full taste of it. It is reasonably priced at 49 for 12 pods, and it's probably the best price I've seen for Keurig pods. Usually they range around six to almost $10 for 12. So this is actually a really good price. Now that's what I've saw at Stater Brothers, and I've only really seen this at Stater Brothers grocery stores, but you can also find it online as well, but it's not priced as well on Amazon. So you know Amazon's not as of a good price. So if you don't have a Stater Brothers around you, maybe you have an alternative, maybe in the East Coast or Midwest, 
But Stater Brothers is where I actually get the coffee pods for Wide Awake Coffee Co. So go try it out if you want to. It's Wide Awake Coffee Co. You can either get the Keurig cups or you can get bags of coffee as well. And they also have creamers if you're looking for, you know, alternative creamer. I highly recommend this coffee drink as well. It's really, really good. I'm quite surprised. And the reason why is because of the low acidity. And that's my final review on Wide Awake Coffee Co. For most of the Keurig line, if you have any suggestions on what coffee I should drink or coffee companies that I should actually get to drink and review, let me know in the comment sections below or the reviews below as well. That will be one of the things I will look into. It will also help me, you know, figure out which ones are you interested in actually trying, but you don't really want to spend money on it. Don't worry, I'll spend money on it and be like, oh, just don't, just don't do it. Anyways, let's move on with Epic Steam Store Controversy. And it's a little murky because the reason why Epic is just doing this mostly is because of where the market is for digital distribution sites in general. Now let's start off with who Epic is. Now, if you don't know, Epic is a storied developer that's made Unreal, Unreal Tournament, Gears of War, and Fortnite, to name a few. And Fortnite's their biggest game so far. It's one of the most popular games in the world, and everybody's playing this game right now. Now, they did have an Epic launcher for quite a while, I think for several years, and it's mostly been for their own games and for messing around with the Unreal Engine. Now, if you don't know, the Unreal Engine is one of the most popular gaming engines for developers to use. And it's actually why I downloaded the launcher in the first place to try that out and to try their games out. And then recently they decided to make their own gaming store. And I tried their latest Unreal tournament game, which I don't think they're really supporting anymore. I also tried Paragon, which there was their Moab game that they actually stopped supporting as well. And then I tried Fortnite for about two minutes and didn't like it. Now, I don't really like Battle Royale games very much, and there's a reason for that. I just I just don't like the whole, you're dead and you have to find a new game. I just That's just not me. I'll play Apex Legends every once in a while, but I don't play it very often. I'd rather play other games that I actually enjoy a little bit more. But I'm not saying that the Battle Royale genre is terrible. It's just I don't like it. Anyways, now that I got you up to speed, here is one of the main reasons why there's a problem with Epic. So when they did launch their gaming store, everybody was like, oh, cool, another alternative. Well, maybe download it or maybe not. But the problem is that Epic started to make really popular AAA games that people wanted to play exclusive on their portal. You could only download it on their portal. You could only buy it on their portal. And a lot of developers and publishers kind of pulled their games from Steam really quickly, which angered a lot of gamers. And it just, it the whole process was just a terrible process. It wasn't well thought out. And people were wondering why Epic is doing this because when you do this as a company, you kind of lose confidence level in the consumers. They kind of look at you in a different way. They don't really want you to succeed, even though you may succeed. They're kind of hoping that you fail because what you're doing is you're saying, hey, now you have to come over and use our service if you want to play these games that you already wanted to play on Steam, GOG, Origin, Uplay, whatever one you prefer. Now you got to go over to Epic, download another one, that is not as feature rich as any of the other ones out there. 
and it's pissing off a lot of gamers. And it seems like Epic just doesn't care. They don't have any reviews. They said it was going to be opt-in, which is weird because gamers and customers are like, well, what's a terrible game? I want to tell people that's not a good game. Well, you can't because it's an opt-in for developers, not just a, hey, make a good game and customers will reward you with good reviews. Instead, Epic is trying to court the developers and publishers saying, hey, we're more friendly to you than anybody else. They give a better cut, even though Steam's 30% cut is standard to the industry. It's still something that developers are still looking, or publishers specifically, are still looking for a better cut, which is fine. I get it. It's a business. You want to make money. I totally get it. But there is a point where your PR is going to make you sell less and for gaming especially in pc gaming a lot of gamers are like oh well i'll just pirate this or i'll just wait a year because you can just wait it out and then eventually buy it at a lower cost maybe maybe you'll actually sell for full retail on the other sites it's rubbing gamers the wrong way because they found out that epic is actually giving publishers developers money to go onto their site and make it exclusive for six months to a year a lot of them have been a year Luckily, Borderlands 3 is only six months, even though people aren't really excited about that because they don't want to use Epic and they don't want to be forced to use Epic Store. And the funny part is this ratification or this signaling or this communication from Epic is saying, hey, we don't have the luxury or the resources or the infrastructure to build up a good platform as Steam, as Origin, as Uplay. So what we're going to do is we're going to make you all go over here to make sure that you use our platform. Now, I just decided to delete the launcher because I just never use it and I don't want to use it and I'm not really in favor of kind of monopolistic type of deals are going on, even though it's their own business and they can do what they want, good idea or bad idea, you are really messaging gamers saying we don't have we don't care to make the platform great we just want to get the best game so you have to use the platform so gamers and customers on the other hand are going well i'll either wait a year or six months or i'll pirate it and it's not really helping the developers get more money yes you get a lower cut but if you're not making as much or you're not selling as much it's kind of hard to make a good argument that your lower cut to epic is going to pay off in the long run now epic has said that metro the last uh or the latest game from the metro series exodus made more money than the last two combined and i'm like well yeah because witcher 3 made more money than the last two combined because it's a progression of gamers going oh i never heard of this game i gotta play it and then once they play it they go oh i gotta get the third one because the progression of awareness or it's the awareness that gamers are like now like oh i really want to play this game and then it's like you have the two on steam they pull it from steam even though the if you pre-order it you're fine but they pull it from steam and they're like well you can wait a year i guess and everybody's like well i can always pirate it too those developers and publishers have bemoaned about piracy and how terrible it is and how prevalent it is and i'm like well you're just kind of now saying, go ahead, pirate my game. Like, there is always a recourse to what you do. There's always a communication going on when you do something like this. And I don't think a lot of businesses really understand or are actually listening to their marketers or PR people, but, or even if their PR people are good, 
But a good PR person would be like, look, it, you do this, customers are going to revolt. Customers are going to be mad. They'd be like, well, we can lose some. And you don't really want to lose customers because they're really hard to get back. That's one of the main things I keep on telling people. It's really hard to get customers, but you want to retain your loyal customers because if you lose them, then you spend more money trying to get them back because you already lost them. Now, I get you can't make everybody happy, but when there's a significant portion of the gaming community going, I don't want this, I don't want to do this, you might want to listen. If you want to be for the gamer, if you want to make sure that you're placing the gamer, the one that's going to buy your game, the one that's already said, signed up and said, yes, I want this game, then make it available as much as possible. I don't really understand this. And plus, track it. That's the one thing. Is that I don't understand why companies are just jumping ship all of a sudden. You should track it. Be like, okay, is it really important to do this or that? Epic Store is not that old. And you should track it being like, okay, where do we get most of our sales? And track it year to year. And if it looks like it's like a better way of doing exclusivity, then yes, by all means, do it. But you have no data publishers and developers, and you're just making haste decisions because of money, because of cuts. But like I said before, if you're not making the sales on it, then is it worth risking to piss off a player base? That is the bigger question. And nobody, especially in the developer and publisher side, is asking that question, or at least seriously thinking about that question, the ramifications of it. They're just going, yeah, well, you can just wait a year. It's like, well, okay. I guess you're, you just lost the sale there. I don't understand these losing sales strategies. They're not strategies at all. Actually, it's terrible marketing. It's saying, well, we don't really want that sale. I know we could have gotten that sale, but we don't really want it because we want the extra money Epic's giving us and we want the lower cut that they take out of it. Fine, but if you're selling less, then what's the point? I mean, the point is to sell the most you can, right? And I just don't really understand the logic behind it anymore because it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I'm trying to figure out why the publishers and maybe the developers at times are doing this and I can't figure it out because there is no strategic sense to it except for they get money and they don't have to do a bigger cut. That's the only two reasons, but you have to think smart about this. You have to think, okay, will I lose revenue? Will the loss of revenue be okay if I just do one store for one year. Because if you're like a small indie developer and it's a really tight budget and you aren't seeing the revenue, then maybe it is not a a good thing to just be on one store for a certain time period. I would say if you really want to do this, three months is the most you should be doing it right now. Not six months, not one year. One year is absurd. Especially for PC gaming, it's very absurd because people are like, well, thanks for saving me money. And that's what a lot of gamers are doing. They're saying, well, thanks for saving me money. I don't have to buy this. I can get on a steeper discount. Thank you for telling me where I should put my resources into. And that's also not a good communication process as well. You want to communicate to your customers. You're communicating that it's like, it's okay. We don't want your money right now. We can lose the sale. It's not that big of a deal. You know what? We'll just wait for a year for you. It's it's all good. Rain check. Here you go. Here's your rain check. We'll get your money later on. Maybe. If we don't piss you off enough. 
And that's what I keep on saying with this communication style. I don't really understand the communication style because it doesn't make much sense. On Epic's side, it's like, yeah, I know you don't really want to use our launcher, but you're going to have to. We want you to use it because we think it's better, but we're not really going to convince you that it's better by adding features that are just as much as on Steam, Origin, or Uplay. We're just going to buy these games exclusively, put them on here for a certain time, so you have to use our platform. So we know we lost the feature of the digital distribution side of business, but we're not really going to, you know, try to do that. We're just going to, you know, just take your games away. And then you're going to have to go to our spot to buy them. And we were like, all right, well, you torrent, I torrent, but torrent, any of the torrents out there, I'm just going to use those instead because I can, people will crack it in a month or so. And I'll just use that instead. Use a VPN, download it. And there you go. Do I condone this? No. Do I want publishers and developers succeeding when they make great games and do great policies? Of course I do. I'm not condoning this. It's just, this is what is going to happen. This is the reality of it. And I don't think publishers and developers are understanding this. Even when EA has laid off a ton of people and other developers have either gone under or have had to lay off people as well. This is not a healthy industry right now. It's kind of cradling into a little bit of a depression. Like I said, my first episode of Digital Coffee when I came back in 2019 is that it's going to hit a depression because too many AAA games are missing the mark and they're just not fun and they're expensive to produce. And and publishers should be wanting to have their games as on many platforms as they can to get the most money as they can. Unless you have your own, I get it that way. But I just don't really understand the fascination with this since Epic Store hasn't really proven a success to a certain extent. They still want to be on it. Don't take my word for it. What do, what do you guys think about this? Put a comment in the description or you can actually write a review about it and say, hey, this is what I want. Or you can email me at bdeister at digitalcoffeepodcast.com. I'll try to get back to you as quick as I can. But this is a good discussion. This is a discussion worth having. You can also join my Discord at Gamers Cafe as well. Just let me know if you want to join that too. We'll have a discussion there. I'm always willing to discuss, you know, peacefully, you know, cordially discuss. I know it's hard in this day and age, but I like to discuss things, especially controversial topics. I'll discuss it as long as we're civil about it. Anyways, moving on to my impression or my review of Battlefront 2 Capital Supremacy Mode. Now, I've played about probably about 20 rounds of this game, and it is very reminiscent of Battlefield 2142 Titan Mode that was first released for this type of mode, and I love that mode with 2142. That's actually why I love Battlefield 2142 the most, because of the Titan Mode. Now, it's a little bit different than the Titan mode. You're not actually capturing points that shoot missiles to the Titan. You're actually getting spawn points for enforcement points. And this is the major difference between Titan mode and the Capital Supremacy. Now, if you hold the majority of the points for the map, then you get to go into a transport. You have to wait for the transport to go up into the Capital ship. I don't really like that process as much as the Titan mode where... Once you took down the shield, you could actually get into it APC or whatever, or a transport flying vehicle, and then you could go down and go into the Titan. This one kind of 
I don't really like the process very much. I kind of wish it was just one seamless thing, not just a loading screen that you have to go to. But the problem is with a lot of the Frostbite engine games is that they have a lot of loading screens. This is what I've noticed through Anthem and this one as well. I don't like that process. I kind of wish it was just, hey, we find vehicles and go up. But the problem is with Battlefront 2 is that they made it a Battlefield light game, which they should have just embraced the Battlefield side of it and made it just a kind of like a Battlefield Star Wars type of a game. But instead we get this with points for heroes and that's completely fine about that. But I kind of wish it was a little bit more seamless to it. Now there are a few new units as well. The Arc Trooper and the uh, Commando for the droid side. And the Arc Trooper seems to be the more overpowered from the new specialty units in Battlefront 2. I just want to reiterate that everybody seems to agree that the Arc Trooper is the more overpowered one with its two blaster pistols. It just seems like that. Even though the Commando does have a really cool viral blade, it really doesn't cut it as much as the Arc Trooper does. Now, once you actually get into the capital ship, there's different phases to blow up the capital ship. Now, I do like this a lot better than Titan mode because once you got into the Titan, there's very narrow corridors and people would spam C4 or they would spam grenades or the support trooper would just put down an automatic turret. And it was really difficult to get into that unless you were really quick and the first ones to get into it. Now, there is no other alternative to the capital supremacy mode of blowing up the capital ship, you have to go on to it. Now, if you don't get or explode the objectives in the time frame of your reinforcement units, you go back down and the opposing player gets three of the points and you get two of the points and you have to battle it out again. At times, it does make it for a very interesting game mode where it takes a lot longer to actually destroy each other's or one capital ship. Sometimes it just basically makes it a very long game at the same time. You just want to do a quick game. This is not at times a quick game. It's interesting the way they're doing it. Now there's only one map, which doesn't make this for a very compelling mode because if there's only one map, you're going to get tired of that map. It's Geonosis map. It's not a bad map. I think it's actually a pretty good map. The only weird thing about this is that the droids have a tank and the Republic commandos or the Republic troopers do not have any types of those vehicles at all. They kind of have the little mini walkers or the speeders and that's really about it. There is no starships in this at all, which is another weird thing that you can't fly an X-Wing or a TIE fighter or anything like that to help your team out, which I find kind of baffling that they don't actually add that in but it's dice. I guess they know what they're doing. I kind of wish they would just add those in because Starfighters is a part of Star Wars. And it's weird that it's mainly focused on ground assault and the droids have kind of a little bit more of an advantage to that besides Anakin Skywalker, who is very overpowered, by the way. If you know how to play him, he is very overpowered. He's very annoying to kill. I'm glad dice is saying that they're going to nerf him a little bit because they do need to nerf him. He's just really overpowered. It can be very annoying to handle because sometimes you just can't handle him at all. He's just going to kill you in a couple seconds, which is very difficult as a droid person or as on the droid team to deal with when your hero units can't really match up to Anakin Skywalker. 
Overall, I do like the game mode in general. It is a very nice big game mode that you have about 40 players total playing against. I do like the bigger game modes. I do like that it's a little bit more battlefield E in terms of Battlefront 2. I just wish that they had more maps to it, but it is a nice mode. It's one of my favorite modes for Battlefront 2. It's the best one, I think, overall. I don't like any of the other ones. This is the best one overall. I used to like the Starship one, but no one plays that one anymore for good reason. It gets old after a while, but the Starship one was always fun. I just wish they would add more more features, starfighters, that types of things that are already in some of the other game modes, like a conquest type game mode that they have, or Galactic Assault, I think they actually call it. I wish, wish they would add those, and obviously more and more maps. They need more maps. Please do more maps. Hopefully they'll actually do the original trilogy as well. They're just doing the prequels right now, but doing the original trilogy would actually be awesome too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what they do with it. We'll see if they're actually just starting Battlefront 3 and they're just going to stop doing development eventually. Never really know. To recap, it's a solid game mode that is a welcome addition to Battlefront 2. I highly recommend you try it out if you actually have Battlefront 2. And it's one of the game modes that I'm going to be playing the most when I play this game. By far, it's the biggest one. By far, it's the best one for Battlefront 2. And meet you out on the Star Wars Battlefield. Anyways, moving on to Division 2 review. Now, Division 2 is interesting because you never really know if loot shooters or developers that make loot shooters actually learn from their past mistakes. The Division originally had a lot of problems. It has about the same problems that Avid is having right now. You beat it, not really much to do. It's kind of boring. A lot of it's repetitive. It's just kind of a dead world where there's not much to do. Well, it seems like Massive Entertainment has actually learned from their mistakes. And when I booted up Division 2, I was like, okay, hopefully it's better, but you never really know. And so I played it. The story is forgettable, but most shooter games have forgettable stories. Now, I know they try to make the stories good, but it's so forgettable. I just don't care. I, I mean, it's just that there's this virus from the original game. It's kind of loosely based on the original game, but not really. It's loosely tied to the world of the original Division. I mean, you're a Division agent in Washington, D.C. this time instead of New York. I think New York is or was interesting, but just lifeless. Washington, D.C. is a lot better. They did a lot better of a job. There's things to do, capture points, upgrade different settlements as you go along. They changed some of the abilities in the game there's still seeker mines but there's a hive grenade now there's an actual shield now the health pack is gone you can get a grenade launcher that does do health there's drones flying drones and they can actually heal you as well now there are special abilities when you go later into the game but that's after you complete level 30 and the base game in general and even when you beat the base game which i mistakenly did and thought it was over it's actually not really over they have a different event going on that you have to deal with, which I actually really like because it has more. There's actually more endgame content. There's actually more things to do. Once Anthem was done with its story, you were kind of like, all right, well, I can do the stronghold for the 30th time. I can go out into the world, but there's not much to do in the world because there's not much going on in the world. And I have to go and track down these events that I may or may not know what's going on. And I have to fly around for hours upon hours to find these things. Vision 2 is different. Everything's laid out. You know where everything is. 
the dark zone as well. And the dark zone has its own specific levels that you can actually go through or not. You can completely avoid it. There's also conflict mode, which I actually really haven't gotten into yet because we're trying to beat the story. But there's a bunch of different things to do. There's projects to do where you can get bounties. You can do bounties as well, which are harder enemies to defeat. There is taking over bases because once you actually get to over level 30, bases get recaptured and you can capture them again and they get recaptured. And so it's kind of a more of a, a never ending tug of war. You can also intercept attacking forces that are going to your settlement or not, or you can actually help defend convoys with resources or not, or you can attack opposing resources as well. There's just a whole bunch to do. I feel it's a complete game, not like the first one. I feel like it's a much better state than it was when Division actually launched. And it's just an overall game. I highly recommend this one as a loot shooter over Anthem, hands down, over Destiny 2, hands down, because Destiny 2 had a rough launch as well. There wasn't much to do. Massive Entertainment just got everything right. They knew what they wanted. They went after it. I think the changes are a lot better. They're more than welcome. I'm surprised at what they did. I am in full favor of this. I will probably be playing this game for quite a while, even after launch. But who knows? Always new games are coming out. The review on this gets a hands down four out of five coffee cups. I mean, there were a few issues. There's a few slowdowns with it. There's a few bugs that many gamers have hilariously noticed, like the stair bug, where there's actually a solid invisible sometimes, but to a different angle, like material that you cannot jump over or do anything like that. Sometimes it's a little difficult to get over different types of terrain, which is a little weird. But beyond that, it's actually a really, really great game. They've learned their mistakes. They've learned from what they did with Division, added it into Division 2 to make sure they didn't do it anymore. And the gear score is laid out really well. The only problem is the skill score for using different types of attachments for your abilities is a little confusing, which is another thing I should actually add. The abilities you have now have well, upgrades you can do when you find it throughout the world, which is actually a really great idea. And I actually fully recommend that one as well. It's just a really great game. I feel really good about it. When I was ending it, I didn't feel like I was like cheated or anything like that. It was oh, I really like this game. I still want to play it over Anthem where I'm like, well, I'll check in, but I'll probably play it for like an hour or two and then leave. This one, I'm like, ooh, I want to play Division 2. It's a really fun game. Anthem, on the other hand, not so much. It's just, it's just one of those games where I wish it did better and it didn't do better. It actually did worse and they're now trying to fix it as most developers do when their first loot shooter games comes out. They always have to fix it because they just don't do enough to it. They underestimate gamers and how they complete things and when they actually do it it's people people are just like what i what, 60 bucks for this this feels like an incomplete game division 2 does not feel like an incomplete game it feels like a complete game feels like they did from start to finish that this is what they wanted to do they set out to do and they did a great job at it so I highly, once again reiterate highly recommend it okay story but good shooting mechanics good loot it's easier to get the loot than Anthem, Anthem, it's, it's a pain in the butt to get Masterworks or Legendaries. This one for Rare Gear, it's not that bad, or Epic Gear, whatever their monkey or for that one is, the gold one, because it comes out as gold. It's not that hard to get those. You get those actually quite a bit, which I like, because loot shooters should be a little bit more of a plethora of gear to get. 
because it shouldn't be that difficult to get good gear. But that's most gamers' opinions. Developers have another way around it, and they usually do, well, make it more difficult the higher the gear set is. And I get that. Eventually, when you get the top, top tier, it should be a little bit more difficult. But when you're still trying to get to that, it shouldn't be that difficult. And I think Massive Entertainment and Ubisoft should be commended for what they actually did with this game. I highly recommend it. It's one of the better games of 2019 so far. And Anthem is probably one of the worst games of 2019 so far. So two different loot shooters, two different responses, two different outcomes. And this one's the best one. If you had to choose, I would choose Division 2 over Anthem. If you want to get Anthem eventually because you want to do the Tony Stark Iron Man thing, I would wait a year or two to actually get it because once you're done with the story, there's not much to do and it's kind of boring after a while. But that's my opinion and that is the end of Gamers Cafe for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in and as always, please subscribe to any of the Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. I'm on all of them. Please subscribe and then leave a review because it really does help me out. I also have t-shirts, coffee mugs, and a new jacket on my digital coffee podcast store. And I'm on an alternative to Patreon. So if you guys want to support me that way or through PayPal, you're more than welcome to. And next week, tune in as I go through what the difference is with ARGB or addressable RGB and RGB. Because a lot of people don't understand this. I have friends in the tech industry that says that this is the biggest thing they're having problems with is that people don't understand this. So tune in next week as I go in a little bit in depth in this so you understand. Also go through some tech news as well. Have a great rest of your week and always keep brewing. Later, guys. <laughs>